Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Yes, here I am, your host, Jim Heskett. And uh, thank you, uh, kind sir, for introducing me such over that uh, little track, that uh, music. I do all the music for the show, by the way, if you didn't. If you, if you haven't listened to all the episodes, I'm sure I've mentioned that probably a dozen times over these 80 plus episodes of the show, but I do the music, um, part, partly because I, I record music so that's easy, but also just, I don't have to worry about rights and, and whatever, all that junk and paying somebody or finding royalty free music, yada, yada. So it's just easier that way. Anyway. Hey, I'm Jim Heskett and welcome to episode two of season five of the thriller fiction podcast. Last week we had a, a grand old time reading um, Shadow Soldiers and commenting on it. I think this episode today will be much, much shorter, not only because chapter one of Snowblind, the book we're going to read, is about half the length. It's only 1,100 words, which is about six pages, I think, give or take. But also, I think the origin story behind Snowblind will be significantly shorter. Um, After I wrote uh, Shadow Soldiers... And as soon as I found out that it was going to be picked up by Kindle Press and published, I knew then for sure, like that, the the fact that I got picked up by Kindle Press uh, and had a publisher gave me the validation I needed to know that it was a viable uh, book, (laughs) that Lane Parrish was a viable character, and I could actually make something of this. So I set right away. Um, basically as soon as it got picked up, I set right away to making it into a series. And so I, um, sat down to think of an idea and the idea for Snowblind came to me basically that I knew one of the, one common thriller trope, um, is that for a really effective thriller, the stakes or the conflict of the book need to be personal to the hero. And so I wanted to involve Lane in a situation um, that was regarding children. And because, you know, uh, a lot of Lane's character development, a lot of his personality, and a lot of his um, uh, thematically, a lot of the Lane Parish books and him as a character relate around the fact that he's a father and he has a small child which is just like me. So, you know, as, as always, all of us authors do this. We always inject bits and pieces of ourselves into our books. But so I wanted to do something involving children. And so Snowblind at its heart is a book about human trafficking. And that, I know that's um, Lane Parish. One thing Lane Parish books do that the Mike Reed books do not is the Lane Parish books do tend to touch on controversial topics. Um, I really try not to have any political opinions in my books. I've made that very clear that I do not discuss politics in my fiction. But I'm not, I don't want to be afraid to, to touch on things that could be controversial or things that might push people's buttons a little bit because I think that that can make for a compelling story uh, if you do that. So one thing, another thing is I want every book that I write to have its own unique identity. I don't write, and please don't hear this as me being judgy, I don't write formulaic kind of procedural books like 
I'm not going to mention any particular authors because I, I want to be careful on this road I'm going down. I don't want to seem like I'm being critical of those books. Those books are totally fine, and I often enjoy them, but I can't write like that. I can't write to a specific formula, and so basically every book I write is a little bit different than the last one, and sometimes very different. And whereas um, the the one common thread in all the Lane Parish books is that they're all spy thrillers. They all have some element of spying, and that really takes off. It really begins in Snowblind because in Shadow Soldiers, yes, there was some spying elements, but it was much more like an action thriller. But then in Snowblind is a straight-up spy thriller. It involves Lane going undercover to a, um, a, a fancy-schmancy spa resort yoga retreat place in the mountains outside of uh, Vancouver, um, British Columbia. That's British Columbia, right? Vancouver, BC? I'm pretty sure it is. And um, so it is mo- the large chunk of the book is laying undercover, chasing clues, trying not to get caught. And so that's really what the Lane Parish books, almost all of them have some element of Lane going undercover somewhere to reveal a secret or expose a conspiracy. And so in this book, Lane goes to this... Um, this mountain retreat center because there is some flimsy evidence that the people, that people who either work there or have recently attended this um, retreat center might be involved in child trafficking. And so this book is really where we get to expand the cast. And in Shadow Soldiers, you met Lane and you met Serena and you met Daphne and then Harry Bukadakis, you know, fan favorite Harry Bukadakis, because he's just a lovable schlub. Um, he was only in one chapter in Shadow Soldiers. He gets a phone call from Lane late in the book. But Harry Bukadakis is front and center in this book because he goes with Lane on this undercover mission, which, uh, you know, Harry is there to... He I initially envisioned Harry to be like um, Chloe from CTU in the TV show 24, that he was Lane's on-call tech support um, backup, but and Harry ended up in, in actual practice in the writing. Harry ended up being more like comic relief, and that's that's good because, you know, Lane is a reasonably pretty serious guy. Serena is a very serious person, and Daphne's snarky, but there isn't any real true comic relief, whereas in the Micah Reed books, there's a lot more humor. So I felt, felt like I needed some humor to balance out uh, Lane and Serena and Daphne. In the Lane Parish books, um, I don't really want to discuss the plot anymore because because this book is very twisty. Um, it starts off a little slow. It certainly starts off slower than um, uh, than Shadow Soldiers did, but it's more of a slow build to an incredibly tense ending. Um, you know, like all my books, they're they're all huge, big, explosive endings. Even though some some of them might start off slow and build, and you get to know the various people and the various um, conspiracies and the little twists and stuff. But like I was talking about in the previous episode about the interludes, this is the first Blaine Parish book where we get a full interlude. And what I mean by that is there are um, five or six interlude chapters that they all tell a unified story. And one of the things that I referenced in the Shadow Soldiers book, because um, 
uh, I almost gave away a spoiler, but I'm not going to say that. But Lane is talking to somebody about why he retired from the shadows, why he retired from Daphne Curex's little spy agency. And he said, basically all he said was there was a mission and it went really bad, so I retired. And then that um, was called in the book. So, you know, there. what was the mission that broke Lane Parrish? So I knew that was an interlude story that I could tell and I wanted to tell. The mission that broke Lane Parrish. The mission that made him retire. What What could that mission have been that went so wrong that made Lane hang up his pistols and move out to a tiny little cabin in the woods in southwest Colorado? So I got to tell that story about, I'm not going to spoil it for you here, but it involves an operation in London. And um, so, yeah, this this book, um, so far, setting the first book in Australia kind of t- tied me to this, this conceit of Lane being an international series. So, you know, the first book was in America and Australia. This um, second, uh, the second book takes place in Seattle, Vancouver, uh, the interludes are in London. So up until now, they've only been set in places that I've been before, and that will change later on in the series, but I'll get to that in a subsequent podcast episode. But I think that's really all I'm going to say about Snowblind. There's your little backstory about it. Now I'm going to go ahead and read Chapter 1 for you. Here we go. Lane Parrish slid his fingertips along the wooden axe handle. He appreciated the fine craftsmanship, the quality of the wood, and the razor-sharp edge of the blade. You like it? asked the receptionist at the lodge's check-in desk. What? Lane said, angling his body toward her. As he did, he lowered his hand, since touching the axe had made the sleeve of his hoodie right up, exposing the web of tattoos on one of his arms. Not that he expressly needed to hide his ink from this woman, but he liked to keep a low profile. During his pre-retirement jobs, Lane had to spend time cataloging what each contact knew or had seen. Too much work. Lots of work, yes, but also danger. In a situation like this, when anyone and everyone could be a suspect, care had to be exercised at all times. Letting the guard down for an instant could result in a grave mistake. Mistakes meant the targets would flee without accountability. Lane would not let them get away this time. Sorry, the receptionist said, her face folding like a bashful animal. I saw you examining the axe, Mr. Priest. It was a gift from a member of the Coast Salish tribe in Vancouver. Their people used to live all up and down these mountains. Gotcha, he said as he crossed the lodge's room. Like a log cabin, the interior was stacked, wood deeply stained brown, adorned with other similar objects hanging on the walls. Sets of old-timey snowshoes and long-necked rifles, sepia-toned photographs in thin frames. He paused in front of a wolf's head mounted on the wall. The furry beast was in mid-growl, porcelain teeth tinged with yellow. Is this real, he asked. Yes, the receptionist said but he wasn't hunted or anything of that sort. That wolf was a former resident of this area of the mountain. Some of them live in caves nearby, and we happened upon a recently deceased one at exactly the right time. Interesting. Lane stepped to her desk, and she returned his passport, the American passport featuring his picture but the name Leonard Priest. There are still plenty of wolves wandering around in case you decide to go for a hike. Many of them are not afraid of humans one bit, noted, Lane said. Have you been to Squamish Mountain Retreat Center before, Mr. Priest? Please, call me Leonard or Lenny, Lane said to the young woman with blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail so tight her eyebrows arched. And no, I haven't. This is our first time in the area. Excellent, Leonard. There will be a formal orientation tomorrow morning, but feel free to grab any of the staff at any time or call the lodge from your room. 
It's a free and open sort of environment here. He flipped through a guest book sitting on the counter. No one had signed it recently, but he made a few mental notes about things previous guests had marked. They talked about the sunsets and the hiking trails and all the typical tourist things. Since it was now in the dead of winter, Lane didn't anticipate getting out on the hiking trails too much. I appreciate the hospitality, he said. I hope you'll find the new you you've been seeking. Everyone gets something unique from the SMRC in their stay here. Lane accepted the two key cards for the bungalow and slid them into his pocket. I'm counting on it. Behind the woman's head hung a set of crisscrossing pistols, revolvers at least a hundred years old. They reminded him of the Colt peacemakers he sometimes carried. Oh yes, she said. Donated to us by the Squamish Royal Canadian Mounted Police Sergeant himself. We have an excellent relationship with the town, and we consider ourselves to be something of a point of pride. Do you receive a lot of donated gifts from the RCMP? Oh, absolutely, she said. We're the most respected wellness retreat center on the West Coast. She passed a credit card slip. Hmm, Lane said as he signed the name Leonard Priest on the receipt. He tried to keep his eyes from bugging out at the cost of his stay. Good to know. I do hope you enjoy yourself over the next week, she said. You'll find your itinerary in a folder in your bungalow. Nothing else is on the plan for today, so settle in and relax. Visit the cafeteria and try out some elephant ear. He cocked his head and she giggled. It's not really elephant, she said. It's a dessert. I see. One other note, there's no Wi-Fi, which is by design. We hope you'll use this as an opportunity to detach from technology. Let you find you. Lane tapped the desk a couple times and smiled at her, to which she gave a bashful duck of the head. He wasn't trying to be flirty because she looked young enough to be his kid. Then he turned and sauntered out of the reception lodge. Outside, a blast of cold air whipped his face, and he marched out into the snow nearly four inches deep along the wooden porch surrounding the lodge. It was coming down too fast for them to shovel and salt all the walkways behind the log cabins and bungalows. Record snowfall already this winter, apparently. And more snow on the way, according to the seven-day weather report Lane had seen this morning. He didn't mind the cold and the relentless flakes of white since he himself lived in a snow-drenched town in southwest Colorado. But if inclement weather forced the retreat guests to hide in their bungalows, that would cause a problem. This week was about mixing with people to find the ones who weren't who they said they were. Lane possessed a bungalow, a key to a bungalow for seven nights, but he hoped what he needed to accomplish here wouldn't take nearly that long. He didn't want to be here at all, actually, but it had to be done, and he didn't trust anyone else to do it. Once it was over with, he could go back to his normal life and put a few other things behind him as well. Seven days, hopefully sooner. His mother and her daughter would be back from Paris in a couple days in eight days, and he'd prefer to have a couple days of buffer. As Lane zipped up his jacket and threw the hood over his head, he lumbered out into the deeper snow to forge a path to his bungalow. Unlike Colorado, the snow here was wet and had a certain satisfying crunch to it. Chunks flew up behind him, kicked up by his boots as he trudged across campus. And as soon as he ventured out into the open, he felt eyes on him. In the blinding white light of the snow, he couldn't see much of anything to corroborate the notion. But he could feel the eyes. Alright, so that is the first chapter of Snowblind, book two in the Lane Parish spy thriller series. I hope you're enjoying this. 
and I will um, see you uh, real soon. Please, if you have a minute, you know, go into Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. Go into the Google Play Store. Um, you can listen on Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, you can listen on the website. Um, you know, there's places to listen, and wherever you get the podcast, please go leave me a, a rating and review. It would mean a whole lot. In the Apple Podcasts app, it's super, super easy. You basically just scroll when you open an episode. You just scroll down, and you can you can rate it with one tap, and you can leave a review right there. It takes like 15 seconds. You don't have to write a book. You all you can say is, you know, I, I liked it. I didn't like it. Whatever you want to say. It's you don't have to be verbose and um, eloquent. Um, you can just say whatever. And thanks for listening. And um, I hope you'll check out the companion podcast, your favorite thriller. All right, take care and have a wonderful, wonderful day. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.